This morning's reading is Psalm 12, which is page 548 in the Bible. <clears throat> Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbour. They flatter with their lips, but harbour deception in their hearts. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. Those who say, by our tongues we will prevail, our own lips will defend us. Who is Lord over us? Because the poor are plundered and the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked who freely strut about when what is vile is honoured by the human race. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. Heavenly Father, I pray that our experience now by your Spirit that would be of just how pure and perfect and precious your words are. I pray that we each might know you speaking uh, to us. Uh, and would we not be left unchanged this morning? Would your words bear fruit uh, because your Spirit is applying it to our lives? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the point I do the pocket pocket tap to find the clicker for the for the slides, which there we go. Okay, question for you uh, this morning. How many words do you think you will say today? How many words do you think you will say today? Now, some of you might be looking at the person next to you and be like, well, they're, they're a bit tight-lipped, about three. And they'll be sitting next to you going, well, you're a chatterbox, so 40 million. Whether you're a chatterbox or keep a bit tight-lipped, turns out that, on average, between us, uh, we all will roughly say the same number of words as each other each day. Now, does anyone want to throw out a guess at how many words we, on average, roughly speak every day. And we can have a bit of a game show, higher, lower, can't we? He's going to start us off. 20,000, higher, lower. What do you reckon? Lower, 15, higher, lower, low, lower. Well, the research says, and I'm a bit nervous, you know, talking about true, true words and things. Um, research says 16,000. 16,000. There you go. I suspect me being up the front on a Sunday and the conversations I have, my, my Sunday word count will probably go up and you're probably wishing it would go down sometimes. Uh, second question, and I'm not expecting any uh, response uh, back to me here. How many of those 16,000 words that you'll say today are going to be totally truthful? How many of those 16,000 words that you'll say today will be totally truthful? Now, I've not got any research. I've got no, no facts and figures to throw at you. But just think for a moment of all the different words that we have in the English language to describe not being truthful. Economical with the truth, telling porky pies, spin, disinformation, deceive, dishonest, distort, a whopper, fake news, 
fibbing, fabricating, a tall story, photoshopping, white lies, post-truth, half-truths, misleading, misrepresenting, misguiding, embellishing, exaggerating, flattery, deception, lying. And that's just for a start. Why, why on earth do we have so many words to describe not telling the truth? I wonder if it's because I and you and, and everyone else around us are actually less truthful than we care to admit. I certainly feel sometimes uh, in the world that we live in that there is less and less truthfulness going on. I don't know if you've kind of experienced that and looked at, I don't know, for example, the political situation over the last 10 years and how that's changed. But I also wonder whether it's necessarily got worse or whether we've just got more access to more information and more words than ever before. Because not being totally truthful, well, it's, it's not a new thing. We just have to go back to the start of the Bible, to Genesis chapter 3, to the serpent who says to Eve, did God really say? Now, if you are on the receiving end of dishonesty, if you're lied to or lied about, it can feel a bit like getting caught on barbed wire. I don't know if you had the experience, maybe you've been out in the, in the fields and, and you just caught your hand or your arm or your leg on, on barbed wire and, it, and it's just sort of giving you a little scratch. And I suppose we could say a, a small lie or denying something to avoid all the drama, over-promising on something, or just a little bit of exaggeration. Well, in the moment, it's, it's just a scratch. I mean, it, it's no big deal, right? But if you think of each of those scratches, chips away. It chips away at trust. It, it damages our relationships. But if you were to get properly caught up in barbed wire, if you think about it for the moment, you start wincing, it's incredibly painful. It's damaging, and it leaves a lasting mark. Maybe it's the friend, the family member, maybe your spouse, who, who strung you along for a long time before you discovered that they'd gone to great lengths to hide something from you that they didn't want you to know about you. And you finding out, it's just shattered things. Or what about that feeling of being taken advantage of? A, a deal that seems so good has left you out of pocket. Or the scam message, phone call, email, uh, you click the link and ends up with your bank account being emptied. You feeling ashamed, embarrassed, and incredibly vulnerable. Or, or maybe it's the experience of being misrepresented when who you are, what you've said, what you're about, if you like, is, is, is ripped up and another version is put out for people to believe. In those moments, it's, it's kind of hard to tell who is telling the truth, who you can trust, and what what to do. That's exactly what we find David feeling and experiencing in the beginning of Psalm 12. If you close your Bibles and you want to have it open again, it's page 548. Uh, David starts, help. Help, Lord. There is no one faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips but harbor deception in their hearts. I think it's totally worth clocking uh, how David starts this prayer. Very simply, help. Do you know what? It's good, it's okay, it's right sometimes for that to be our prayer. Help. 
And it seems David is experiencing something of a barbed wire moment of untrue words and feeling like everybody around him is caught up in it. Everybody says lies to their neighbor. God's people are speaking empty words to the very people they were supposed to, commanded to by God to love. We're told they flatter with their lips. They deceive. They manipulate to get what they want or to get ahead. And notice it's, it's those who are the least and those who have the least, like in so many situations, are the ones who bear the brunt of it. So read in verse 5. The poor are plundered. The needy groan. And the heart of the problem? Well, it's like we've heard many times at the front here. The heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. They harbor deception, we're told, in their hearts. But just like our tongue can say a lot about our physical health, and so you go to the doctor and they, they tell you to stick out your tongue, so our words can reveal a heck of a lot about our inner life our spiritual life, what's going on in our, in, our, in our inner person. And Jesus says something along these lines, doesn't he? He says in, in, in Luke um, chapter 6, verse 45, for the mouth speaks, what? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Our words give a window into what's going on in our hearts. In this psalm, what are the hearts full of? We look at verse 4. They say, our tongues will prevail. Our own lips will defend us. Who is Lord over us? It's this kind of confidence, overconfidence, that whatever happens, they'll totally be able to talk themselves out of it. And actually, uh, they're winning at life so much so that actually they don't need God. They can sideline God. They can ignore God. They can pretend that God doesn't exist. Not so with David. David says to God, silence all the flattering lips and boastful tongues. And it's as if God interrupts in verse 5 and gets us to the heart of what we need to hear from Psalm 12 this morning. I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. God promises protection for his people in a world where, where lies damage and they hurt and they leave lasting marks. But we're left with a little bit of a question. How can we trust God's promise? How do we know it's truthful? When all the other words we hear, well, there's a risk they're not true. Have a look at what verse 6 says. The words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. God's word, this promise of protection, it's pure, it's perfect, it's precious, it's good, it's beautiful, it's flawless. It's like precious metal that is refined again and again and again so that there is nothing that is not good left. It's perfectly pure. What is it that David needs to land on? What is it that we, by the Holy Spirit, need to be, need to be treasuring about God this morning? In a world of flattering lips, God's promise to protect is flawless. In a world of flattering lips, God's promise to protect is flawless. We need to hear God's flawless promise of protection. And we need to hear it rightly. I heard somebody put it really helpfully uh, a couple of weeks ago. That God's promise to protect is not a promise of a well-cushioned life. Where nothing's going to go wrong. 
Nothing bad or hard is going to happen. No one's going to tell you an untruth. Instead, it's a promise of a well-armed life. Because we've got God's word. As we were dancing around in church earlier, it's a sword. The sword of the Spirit. We're well-armed. See, God's flawless promise of protection doesn't, doesn't mean we're not going to be impacted by lives. It doesn't mean that we're not going to get ourselves in all kinds of bother because of the words we say. Psalm 12 is very realistic about the world we live in. Just look how it ends. It talks about those speaking the most untruth appearing to strut around. Like they own the place, celebrating what in God's eyes is vile and worthless. God's flawless promise of protection is a promise to keep us. In a world of flattering lips, that will be guarded, will be guided. We'll be guided through the damage and the hurts and the moments that leave lasting marks. That even in the worst situations, God will keep us as his people, trusting Jesus and walking by the Spirit. Verse 7, you, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked. God's flawless promise of protection is a promise that one day all flattering lips, all boastful tongues will be silenced. It's a confidence that words from the Holy Spirit, such as Proverbs 16, verse 9, are true, which say, a false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies will perish. We can have a greater confidence in God's promise of protection than David, and that God is still living this out now. This promise to protect, to guard, to guide, to silence, because God came to us in Jesus and said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus doesn't just speak the truth, which he does. He is the truth. Jesus doesn't come to deceive us and invent a reality that isn't true. He comes as the light of the world to show us what is really true who we are, what the world's like, who God is. And more than that, God makes, in Jesus, God makes a way open for us to be restored to a right and living relationship with the Father. You see, Jesus was so willing to do this that he was put to death on the basis of a lie. And yet, three days later, Jesus is risen and the lie is dead. That's why we can have confidence. When Jesus returns, flattering lips, boastful tongues will be silenced. And we're told that every knee should bow. Every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so as people whose 16,000 words that we'll speak today are probably less truthful than we might be ready to admit, we can use our words to receive forgiveness from Jesus. Knowing he offers it to all who call out to him and will call him Lord. But where where does the Holy Spirit want us to sort of land with Psalm 12 this morning? Well, firstly, I think it means that when we hit moments like David is experiencing, when when it feels like everything around us is crumbling, not making much sense, and the very people who should be around us telling us the truth are gone, are vanished, we're able to pray to our Heavenly Father, We're able to take comfort and confidence 
in that great promise of protection. You, Lord, will keep the needy safe. You will protect us forever from the wicked. Knowing it's a flawless, pure, perfect, precious promise of guarding and guiding and one day silencing. I guess for most of us, this probably doesn't describe us right now, but it might do one day. Probably does describe a few of us. But know that around the world, there are other Christian sisters and brothers for whom this is a very real reality, persecuted because of their faith, lied about, lied to, deceived, surrounded by lying lips, boastful tongues. So it might not be us, but we can be praying for them, praying to God help, for them to take confidence and comfort in God's flawless promise of protection and to be inspired by their example. And I think the second thing that Psalm 12 by the Spirit um, lands us in uh, this morning is, is, is a challenge to be people of truth and people of true words. In a world where there's flattering lips, boastful tongues, where, where those who are dishonest seem to strut around the place, celebrating what is worthless and vile, we're to stand out as being faithful and loyal. God's people have always been marked out by being people of truth. Just think to the, the Ten Commandments given to uh, God's people in the Old Testament. And that commandment, um, you know, not to bear false testimony. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, shaping us and forming us. Uh, uh, who is His Spirit? What is He like? Well, Jesus says He, he is the Spirit of truth. And so our lives and our words begin to reflect that reality more and more whether it's in our emails, our messages, our social media accounts, our conversations, whether it's how we respond to those who've let us down or lied to us, failed us, when we are tired and emotionally drained and our fuses are short. We're to be living as people of truth who speak true words, words that celebrate what is good and beautiful and pure and precious and perfect. Words that make much about Jesus. Words that don't bash people up, but build people up. Words ultimately that are shaped by the flawless word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, at times it's, it's so striking to feel like there is so much untruth in this world, a sign of our world being broken and not being as it should. And we confess our part in that and, and our struggle sometimes to, to be totally truthful. But Lord, thank you in Jesus that you offer forgiveness. Thank you in Jesus. We, we know that you are God he, who's promised to protect and guard and guide us and to ultimately silence what is not true uh, is ours, and we can trust it. Would it bring us confidence and comfort this morning? Would it bring confidence and comfort uh, to brothers and sisters around the world, persecuted, lied about for following Jesus? And would you help us by the power of your Spirit to, to be a people of truth, to be faithful and loyal, to be a people of true words? Help us, we pray. Amen.